Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I love that. It's um, one of the things we're going to talk about when, when we do the Equip to Lead Day is um, the roots and the redwoods, uh, which I spoke about. Some of you might remember at our AGM meeting and how uh, all the different sites, all the different um, places that we're meeting, and they're all like redwood trees. They can grow as, as tall as they want to, but the only way that they can grow, the reason redwood trees can grow so tall and yet only have six feet of roots is because they're inter- intertwined, they're interconnected all together. So if you go to Ivy Sharston, you might think that's the church, that's Ivy, but actually it only is because it's connected. It's connected into Didsbury, and Didsbury is like a hub, I suppose, that, that connects out to here and everything underneath the surface. So all of these different people that we're, we, we just got up the front, they're part of that root system that enables just growth to take place in all of these, these different areas. So I'm going to be talking about that. I really encourage you, if you are already in leadership here at Ivy, or you're considering, you want to find out more about what it is to, to join with me on that, that date, uh, that Saturday, very soon. Um, Lord, I thank you for Ephesians. Thank you for an amazing book. I'm just loving reading it and drawing so much from it. And I pray that you'd help me to be able to um, do the impossible and speak about something so um, amazing. I I do feel over my head when I look into these mysteries. But Lord, um, I pray that despite that, what you say would go into our hearts. Amen. Years ago, when I was in the police, I had to go and set up like an observation point. I, uh, sorry, it's a bit echoey, because that could come down a bit. I, I, um, I was supposed to set up like an observation point to be able to watch a pub where we believed that drugs were being sold. And so I went to um, a warehouse, um, well, it was actually like a B&Q, and uh, I wanted to get up on the roof and so that we'd be able to observe from there. So I went in, I went up to the, the lady behind the counter in B&Q, and, uh, and I opened up my wallet. Now, the best thing, one of the best things about being in the police, even though you're in plain clothes and scruffy, you had a thing called the warrant card. The warrant card was also known as the international disco card. It could get you in anywhere, and uh, it can also get you out of all kinds of trouble. It was, a, it, was a, it was a fantastic thing to have a warrant card. The worst thing probably about leaving the police was having to give back my warrant card. I was like, can't I keep it? But anyway, I couldn't. But I, I, um, I went in, and, um, and I kept it in my wallet, and I went over to this young girl at the counter, and I opened my wallet, and I said, um, I'd like to see the manager, please. And then I folded it back up again, and she went, why? I said, well, that's going to be between me and him. I want to see the manager, please. And she looked again and said, no. I'm like, that's not good. What do you mean, no? I want to see the manager. I'd like to see him now. Is he not on? Is he not working? No, he is here, but why? you'll have to tell me what it's about. I said, well, it doesn't matter what it's about. That's, I'm going to tell the manager what it's about. I don't want to tell you what it's about. So she's looking at me like... Well, you, you, what, what? no, you're going to have to tell me. I'm not going to call the manager. You're going to have to tell me what it is. And I was like, no. I, 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 and I was like, this has never happened before. I can't understand it. So I'm like, you know, showing her. And I said, I want to talk to the manager. Please go and get the manager. Go and get him now so I can talk to him. And she was like, I'm not going to. Why? Unless you tell me what it is. They carried on like this. And then I looked and I realised that I'd opened the wallet at the wrong point. <laughs> and I was actually showing her a picture of Zoe on holiday in bikini. <laughs> I 
which was why probably she didn't want me to just go and see the manager. So it's important we establish our credentials. It's important that we have the right credentials when we identify ourselves to other people. And we're in this book called Ephesians. We've been looking at it going through the summer of change and there's just so much that's going on in this book. It's, it's a fantastic book. And we've seen that Ephesians started out with the Apostle Paul writing to this group of a church in Ephesus and it's then the letter's going to be sent on to lots of other churches too. And himself in chapter one, for those of us who are here, then he tells the church about how blessed they are by God the Father because of Jesus Christ. He talks about the blessings. And then in chapter two, he says your most important identity now is actually that you are in Christ. It doesn't matter about everything else. And he says especially it doesn't matter with you if you're a Jew or a Gentile because in fact Jesus has smashed all of those walls that might separate us from different people of different backgrounds and races or none of that matters anymore as long as you're in Christ. That's now who you are. And then he's about to carry on and he wants to pray for them. Now, who's ever dictated a letter? Have you ever dictated a letter? Stick your hand up. A few of us have done it. I have to do it. I get to do it quite a bit. It's quite a good thing to be able to do sometimes, to be able to do that. And, and Emma um, types them up for me and there's a bit of an art to it because sometimes when you're doing it, you realise, oh, I should have said that and I didn't do it. And then you have to sort of stop and interrupt and say, oh, well, let's go back and, and say that again. Now, most of Paul's letters, and I, I think this must be one of them at this point, we can see a, a hint of it. Paul was writing from prison to the people in Ephesus. And so he probably didn't have a writing pad and a pen and all those kind of things. He would have had somebody who came in and he would dictate the letter to him and then he would write it down and, uh, and take the letter and pass it on. So Paul's writing from prison. It wasn't an easy call for him. And he's writing this letter out and he's dictating it. And something happens where he starts to say something and then he realises, oh, I've, there's something else I need to say. So he stops because the prayer that he's going to start, it actually doesn't start until verse 14 of chapter 3. And in fact, I'm going to be looking at that tonight. It's a fantastic, life-changing prayer that he prays. And I really encourage you to get along tonight to Disbury to be able to listen to that. But it's like now something happens to interrupt his, his, his train of thought because Ephesians 3.1 starts out like this. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and then he's going to pray for them. But like I say, the prayer doesn't happen until verse 14 because something goes, ah, oh, hang on. I, I can't just talk to you about that. I can't just pray that yet. Because I want you to know who I am. Maybe you don't all know who I am because not everybody in Ephesus, even though it was a church he planted some time before, might know who he is, what his credentials are, what his authority is to be able to speak about God to them. So he's like, actually, you, do you know who I am? And I don't mean like in a kind of proud way. We'll see, he's not proud, he's very humble. It's not like, don't you know who I am? It's more like you need to know who I am and who my authority is to be able to speak because this letter actually won't just go to the Ephesians. It's going to be like a circular letter that's going to be passed on to lots and lots of churches. At least seven churches in the region are going to get this and then ultimately we end up with it too. So he's thinking, well, maybe not everybody knows what my qualifications are to be able to, to, be able to speak for God to them. So it's like he stops kind of to get his wallet out to be able to show them his ID. And he doesn't flash... I'm an expert in the Bible, although he was. He doesn't flash, I know loads of different languages and, and can quote Greek poets and know all about the culture, although he could do that. He doesn't flash, I am a respected um, rabbi and I was uh, taught by the most famous, the, the best Jewish scholar. 
the famous Gamaliel. He doesn't go into all of that and, and list all of those kind of things, although he could have done. He doesn't talk about his references. He talks about his revelation. He says, I have revelation. We can move that one on. Look at verse two. Assuming you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, which will help enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. What he's saying here, and he says this in lots of other letters too. He says, the insight that I've got, the ability I've got to be able to speak about God into your lives, this message didn't come just from me. It's not something I just made up. I didn't just get it from some books that I read. I didn't just get it from some people who told me about it. This came direct from hearing God, from meeting Jesus Christ. That's my authority to be able to speak. I'm not just on about references what I can point to and things that I've done. I'm on about I've met with Jesus Christ. Just recently, Hannah, um, my daughter, she said to me and Zoe, she said, oh, I feel a bit, you know, sort of underqualified in some ways to be able to do stuff. And, and I've got all these friends and they've all got, you know, they're all doctors and you've got really amazing stuff that they're doing. And I sort of feel, and, and so I just feel like all I can do is like hear God and tell people about him. And we're like, oh yeah, because that's like a, not a good thing. That's just such a little thing. It's not a little thing, is it? Paul would say, it's the thing. It's the thing. It's revelation is what you need, more than lots of references. Paul says, I've got it. I understand what the mystery is. It's been revealed to me. The word revelation is literally like a curtain drawn back and you can see what was already there. It's like if we had a curtain around this, you didn't know what it was. And then we pull it back. Oh, it's a drum kit. Well, the drum kit was there all along, but now we've re it's revealed. And it's like, God does that. God will give us revelation. God will help us to see things before other people. that other people can't see if we're leaders sometimes. God will give us an insight. And you think, where did that come from? And it's not because we're clever. It's because he's wise and because he's good. And he just opens these things up to us. He says, I've got this mystery. The mystery is that... God loves everybody, so anybody can come to God through Jesus. And he knew that because he himself had once been so far wrong about God's plan. You probably know his story. When he thought he was doing everything right, he was actually getting everything wrong. He thought that he was pleasing God when in fact all he was doing was persecuting God's people. And then one day the light came on and he saw literally the light. And it was Jesus, and he saw Jesus, he had a revelation. The mystery became a miracle. That's the revelation that we have to get. The mystery became a, re a revelation. So if you're looking for somebody who God wants to use, remember first of all, it's not about references, although it's good to check references, like Sarah said, we do a process of everything that we do here, and we make sure that people are interviewed and checked up on and all that kind of stuff, and all that character and chemistry and call stuff is really important. But ultimately, it's not about references, it's about revelation. And number two, the next part of his ID shows it's not about titles, it's about transformation. He says, I became a minister, in verse seven. Now, does that mean that he showed them his dog collar? Has he got an office somewhere with 20 Bibles on the shelf? That's what people usually think when they hear the word minister, isn't it? You put your shirt on back to front. 
Some people I've seen over the years, it's weird how this happens, but from the moment they put a collar around their neck, something strange happens to their head. And it usually starts with the voice. They get a vicar voice. Male or female, it doesn't really matter, but they start to speak in up and down ways. And, uh, and concerned tones. And, you know, everything's deep and kind and theological and very, very wonderful in a real sense. Because now I became a minister. That's not it. That's not what Paul's doing. That is so back to front. That's not the transformation that God is looking for at all. Because the word here, minister, you wouldn't even put a capital M on it. It's not a title. He doesn't say, I am a minister. What he says literally is, of this gospel, I became a servant. Paul was transformed from somebody who was proud and all about the titles and all about his religious qualifications to, to somebody who met Jesus, heard the message of Jesus, and now he becomes this passionate servant of the good news that transformed and changed his life and changed all of his trajectory. That message now became just burning inside of him, this mission that he's got to pass on to anybody who'll listen. The word minister is diakonos. We get the English word deacon from it, and it literally just means servant. That's what it means. Now, some churches even would take then the, the name, the word servant, deacon, and make it a title, which I have to say is weird. This shows how obsessed we can be with titles. This week, somebody, I was saying to somebody, over the years, more and more, I've come to hate titles. Please, can I say this? Don't call me vicar. No, 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 don't laugh. Please don't. I don't like it. I don't want to be one of those. Please don't call me pastor. If I'm pastoring you, if I'm, if I'm doing something that's pastoring you, then I become a pastor to you. Please don't give it me as a title. I don't want it, honestly. I'd rather, if you have to call me anything, call me, I've said this before, Anthony. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, that's it. That's all I want to be, Anthony. Now, people want you to have titles, though, to be able to label you. So they made me. I came up with one, strategic leader. Because that sort of says something about what I'm trying to do. On our staff team, I have a little title too. Big time Charlie Potato. <laughs> That's my other one. But really, anything I want to do, it's got to be functional. And like I said up, up here, and this is what I said in the week, actually, what I'd love to be known as, more than anything else, is an equipper. That's all I want to be. I want to be somebody who equips the saints for the work of ministry. In fact, all those guys who came up here earlier, whatever their responsibilities or roles might be, we want them to be equippers. We tell everybody who comes on staff here, you're not here to do the ministry. You are here to equip the saints for their work of ministry because actually so much more gets done like that and the church has messed it up so badly so often by making ministers, by entitling people who often end up feeling entitled, strangely. So we're not going to call anybody pastor, vicar, deacon. I heard Tony Campolo years ago say in his church, which is an African-American church in the USA, how there was a deacon who wouldn't serve anybody. He wanted his title, he wanted his car parking space, he just wanted everybody to know that he had a position of leadership in the church. And the church leadership got together and they sacked him. And when they asked why, and they said, well, you can't be a deacon if you ain't gone a deacon. 
That's right, isn't it? You can't be a deacon if you ain't going to deek. I've met lots of people in church who want to be a deacon, but they don't want to deek. I've known lots of people who want to lead, but you don't want to, don't want to serve. Diakonos is a word Paul often used in his letters to describe himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, he's heard that the church there are starting to make some people out to be superstars, famous Christian types. So there's like Apollos is one. I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. Oh, I follow Paul. They're all going after all these different names. And he says, Do you know what? Who the heck is Apollos? So he says, Who's he? Who is he? Who am I? Do you know what we are? We're just servants. We're just diakonos through whom you came to believe. In Colossians 4 verse 7, he uses the word when he's, he's, he's telling people to treat slaves. He's like, if you have to have a slave, at least treat them fairly. And what's the word that he uses for slave? Diakonos. Does that sound like a title to anybody? I have people ask me, how did you become a minister? What they really want to know is what are my qualifications? What are my references? Who ordained me? Which cathedral? Which bishop put his empty hands on my empty head? <laughs> what degree did I get? Did I get a master's? Have you got a doctorate? Have I got papers? Have I got letters after my name? Now, references are good. And like I say, we should check people out. But Paul said it's not about references. It's about revelation. And it's not about a title. It's about transformed life. Because you meet Jesus and he changes you. And now you want to serve like you've been served. You want to love like you've been loved. That's what your credential is. Paul says of this gospel, I became a minister by the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. We prayed just before for some great people who are coming on the staff team to take on various different kinds of roles. And some people, they've been with us for a while, but now they've got increased different responsibilities. And last week, yesterday I was down in London, I was speaking to a church there and they asked me, they actually said, what, how do you get such great leaders, especially young leaders? How do, you do it? how do you do it? And I thought, oh, I never really thought of that. How do we do it? And then I thought, actually, the answer is this. It's because I said to them, I don't look for leaders. I look for servants. That's who I look for. Because... I believe, with the right encouragement, anybody can lead. But not everybody will serve. I've been in church long enough to know, you could have somebody who's got unbelievable gifts, unbelievable leadership, but if they haven't learned to serve, what they'll end up doing is just wrecking everything around them. So the question I always look for before we employ anybody at Ivy is not going to lead, it's, it's who's going to serve. We have a thing, the staff team know this, we call it the Sarah Philpot test and it's from my previous church where we had this tremendous woman called Sarah Philpot and how she would just, she did everything in the church. She was like, she was, she, she was a mum and she had kids and her husband worked and she was a teacher and yet she would help with the, the sound, if we needed sound, she'd help with the sound. If she, if we, the visuals, we needed the visuals. She'd lead services, we needed to lead services. She would be the first in and the last out. She would clear up, she would do it. She did it with a smile on her face. She loved the church. And we didn't pay her anything. So now what I say is, why would we pay anybody who's not going to outserve our most committed volunteer? That's all we want to do. We're looking for people who who they're already serving, they're already volunteering, they're already giving their lives to this church in various ways. And now it's like, it's just unreasonable to expect that we're not going to pay them for all this extra stuff we're also asking them to do as well. 
So there's people and some, some of them we pay on a contract, some part-time, some even full-time. But what I see is we get paid, I get paid to what, what I do in the week. And on Sunday, I give Sundays to the church. I'm not working today. This is fun for me. This is not work for me. As the old saying goes, work isn't work unless you'd rather be doing something else. I, I, there's nothing that I'd rather be doing than this. I work six days a week. I try and, and, and take Wednesday off as much as possible because we all need a Sabbath. And Sunday, what I do here, I give the very best of my gifts to you, to the church, on a Sunday, often 12 hours of work on this day, but it's volunteered. I've got that volunteer spirit because I am a minister of the gospel by the grace of God and by the power of Jesus Christ. So read the next verses with me. Why don't you read it out loud, verses eight to 10. I'll be finishing off the chapter tonight at Didsbury. Read this out loud. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I love this. It's deep, it's rich, Ephesians. It's about treasure. It's about inheritance that you've already got. It's about the difference it makes when you connect to that power and how everybody is meant to get to see what God is like through the church. That through the church, this is God's plan, everybody gets to see how amazing and wonderful Jesus is. That's what the church is meant to display. Now, I'm not saying it's always done that. But this is, you know, God wants to show off. And the way in which he wants to show off is through the church. Have you ever been like on top of a mountain or on a beach and you've seen a view and you've kind of gone, oh God, you're just showing off now. That's like an amazing view or whatever. Well, actually, what God wants to show off by is through the church through you and through me. It's, God decided that the way in which everybody would get to know how kind and loving and powerful and gracious and good and merciful he is, is through the church. Everything that is done, he wants to showcase to the world through different kinds of people with all kinds of different stories who've come and connected to that love and then having got it, give it away. When that happens, what it does, this, this says that shows off his manifold wisdom, it says in some translations. That's got nothing to do with the car exhaust. Manifold means various, variety. There should be variety in the church. I talked about this last Sunday evening. I love it that we've got all kinds of people from different races and backgrounds here at Ivy because that's part of it. The word, you could use the also translate the word variegated, like, in a, like flowers, have got different with different kinds of colours. It's like technicolour. That's what it's meant to be. The church is meant to be like showing off the technicolour variety of the wisdom of God. Joseph's technicolour dream coat, the word for that really is the same word here. And finally, you see, it's not about references, it's not about revelation, it's not about titles, it's about transformed lives. And finally, it's not about who's able, it's about who's available. Look at the same passage we just read again in the message version. This just blew my mind when I read this this week. Here's the third part of how Paul identifies himself. Anybody who's coming on staff team, you need to make a note of this and write it down. This is my life's work. Helping people understand and respond to this message. 
It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of all of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure they had nothing, say nothing, nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. What's your qualifications, Paul? I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. Actually, we should change that because Paul didn't write it in the, present, in the past tense. He wrote it in the present tense. He actually said, I am. I am the least qualified of any of the available Christians. Literally, he says, I'm the most least. I'm the most least. What's your qualifications? Why should we listen to you? Oh, I'm the most least. Anybody feel qualified to be used by God? Put your hand up now. You should put your hand up now. You should put your hand up now. If you feel like, if you've ever felt like the most least, God can use you. Paul says, I'm the least qualified of all the available Christians. Now that tells me a few important things about Christian ministry. Did you notice them? First of all, it tells me the things that you think should qualify you don't necessarily at all matter to God. And the things that you would think would disqualify you don't and don't really matter at all to God either. Is that good news to anybody? It's not about having the right references. Have you got a revelation? Have you heard God? Have you met Jesus? It's not about having a title. You can be reverend this or bishop that or deacon as long as you're deke. But there's nothing like the power of a transformed life through the gospel that makes you a servant. And God's not looking for the most able, but he's all over somebody who's making themselves available. You could be the most unqualified Christian. He will still use you. In fact, you could be the most qualified Christian here. You could have tremendous gifts, beautiful singing voice, artistic gifts, Bible knowledge, more degrees than a thermometer. And end up doing nothing. Nothing for God. Why? Why wouldn't you? You're so able. I'll tell you why not. Because you didn't make yourself available. God was looking for somebody to use. But you had all kinds of very good reasons why it wouldn't be you. It was a bad stage of life. You were a bit shy. You were overcommitted. You didn't want to push yourself forward. You were too busy. It wasn't really your gift. They didn't ask you in just the right way. They didn't use all the right words. You got offended. I know all the excuses. I've made most of them myself. Can I say a hard truth? Some of the most qualified Christians make themselves least available. And in the meantime, God 
will use somebody else who's perhaps less able but made themselves more available. Because actually, he doesn't need a strong person. He's got all the power in the universe. He doesn't need a clever person. He's got wisdom covered, thank you very much. As people step out to serve, as we, as we reach and as we plant out, as we start a new church, go into the fuse, there's a whole bunch of people going to be part of that. That's going to create gaps. Stretching creates gaps. September through the new year, it's going to be gap time around here. It's going to be a lot of changes. There will be lots of places for you to step up and serve. What can you do to make yourself available? Will you make yourself available or will you be a consumer? Remember that parable Jesus told, Matthew 25. What does the master say to the the guy who took and used his few talents? He said, well done, good and faithful. That's what he's looking for. Good and faithful servant. But what if you're the one who took his talent and said, actually, I'm going to bury mine in the ground. While somebody else is using what he was given by the master. Write this down. Put it on Twitter, put it on Facebook, put it somewhere else where you're going to see it every day this week because this is what I'm trying to sum up, the whole point of this message and then I'm done. Five words to sum up this message. Remember, Paul called himself the most least, didn't he? Here's why that's good news if you feel like that too. If you're wondering if it could really be true that God could use me, if you in a minute pray a use me prayer, even if you feel like the most least, here's what you need to know. God uses the least most. God uses the least, most. That's good news if you feel like the most least. And God will use the least available more, sorry, God will use the least able more than the least available. God will use the least able, God can use the least able more than the least available. Because it doesn't depend on your gifts. It depends on his grace. It doesn't depend on your cleverness. It depends on his wisdom. It doesn't rely on your power. You're supposed to rely on his power. It doesn't depend on your references, as long as you've got a revelation. You don't need a title. But we do need transformation. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. God's not looking at your CV. He's looking at your cardiovascular He's looking at your heart. He's looking for a heart full of love for him. And a heart that knows when it comes to telling people, like Paul said, about the mystery of the riches of his love, we're always over our heads. But it doesn't matter if you're over your head as long as your head over heels. It's eight years to the day that we as a family moved back to Manchester. I fell out of my depth when I came then, and Zoe wondered if I was out of my mind. But more than anything else, as I see all the lives that get changed around here in this place at Ivy, I am head over heels with this church. I love this church. I absolutely love this church. And on the 17th of September, our next Equips to Lead Day, I'm going to share some crazy big dreams that God has just started to give me. Now we've got to eight years, about the next 20 So don't miss it, but you have to book a ticket or you will. 
Make yourself available for that. I'm going to be looking 20 years from now, and it's just dreams and ideas that I've got some things. I haven't got lots of clarity about it, but some di- direction for the next 20 years. And as, you know what I realised? Actually, I look back, and I've been in ministry just over 20 years, full-time paid ministry since I started, and I realised I've always been over my head. I, I, I get a passage from Ephesians. I start out looking at it, beginning of the week or whatever, and I think... I've got nothing. Every week. I'm like, empty. And then I think, oh, what were you like? You know, 16, you left school, no A-levels, not a single A-level. How am I supposed to do justice to the variegated, manifold wisdom of God? How am I supposed to do that? Then I remember, I'm not out of my mind, but I'm head over heels. And that's what, matters and that's what matters most I haven't got a master's I haven't got a PhD I'm not the most qualified I probably will never be but do you know what I can be when it comes to serving around here when it get when I want the church to show off the technical wisdom of God here's what I can be I can be the most available I can do that and and to the extent that I am God will use me in ways that have got nothing to do with my natural abilities and in Ivy's year of equipping if you step up today and you don't think oh, well, somebody else will do the ministry now. They get to do the ministry. If you cry out to God, use me, pick me, did you notice the promise that was in that passage? He says this, God will see that if you're available, you'll be able. Because it says this, God saw to it, I was equipped. What a promise. God saw to it that I was equipped. So please stand up if you're able, and the band are going to come up. I'm going to pray, and actually what I'm going to do is... I'm going to ask you to, to pray. Just Ivy people for a minute, if that's all right. We've got visitors from other churches and different places, and that's fine. But I'm going to ask the Ivy people about what, what's, it, what's it going to mean to you to serve here in this church? I mean to serve the church. You've probably got, you're serving in lots of different ways. You've got all kinds of other things going on in your life. I know that. Everybody's busy. You're probably no more busy than the person standing next to you. Where are you serving and where are you going to serve and what are you going to do to help everybody else? And remember, it's not about references, it's about revelation. It's not about titles, it's about transformation. It's not about who's able, but it's always about who's available. Where are you making yourself available for the benefit of this body called Ivy Church? In a minute, I'm going to ask everybody, but I'm really talking to the Ivy people for a minute, asking you all to pray a dangerous prayer. Two words, use me. It's the one that starts every adventure. And you might say, well, I'm not sure I'm able. And I say, well, it's all right. Are you making yourself available? Are you going to make yourself available to serve in some places around here? And I mean here at Ivy, in one of the sites in some ways, just because you love this church and its vision and its mission. Not just serving generally God, I mean here. So don't answer too quickly. The book of Ecclesiastes says, don't be rash in making a promise before God. J. John, friend of mine, mighty man of God. I went to his church years ago. Do you know what he does? The coffee. He does the coffee at his church. He's pretty much in charge of the coffee because he's a control freak. (laughs) But you know, everybody can serve. And 
I'm on about a level of commitment. I'm on about where you're standing now. I'm, I'm inviting, I'm encouraging, I'm challenging you to a deeper, higher level of commitment to service around here that will cost you. It will mean you have to move some things around. It will mean you have to say no to some other things in order to say yes to this. So if, if that's what I'm talking about. So don't just go, oh yeah, I'll do it. Because that doesn't help anybody. And you're just kidding yourself. Dangerous prayer. If you want to pray it and you mean it, Maybe you need to go away and think about it, and that's fine. But if you're saying, Lord, use me and use me around here for the mission of this church in more ways and making myself available, then would you put your hand on your heart right now? Because this is where the transformation comes. Lord Jesus Christ, just pray this with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. I don't need titles, I do need transformation. I don't need references about who you are. Are or even who I am but I do need revelation although I might not be the most qualified thank you it's not about my natural abilities it's about your supernatural equipping and I believe your word says that if I make myself available you will make me able so Lord I am in all in here in Ivy in this church use me here in this church. I don't want to miss it because I wasn't available. Show me where you want me to lead by serving so that the whole world, the whole universe sees glimpses of your beauty and your love as I do my part in serving your gospel alongside my brothers and sisters in this church. And if you agree with that prayer and you meant it, God was listening and we can all say, Amen. Amen. And I believe he'll answer. He'll answer that. We're going to sing. I think you probably need to go and get kids, do you? Babies. Yes. babies. If you've got babies, go and collect one. <laughs> At least one. And... Um, rest of us if you want prayer why don't you come down the front there's a kind of self-sacrifice self-offering thing going on sometimes it's good to do that on our knees you're welcome to come down the front and just and just kind of solidify that prayer by offering yourself back again in fact i'd like everybody who came up front and was prayed for before to make sure they come down here on their knees too so we can pray for them but anybody else who wants prayer because you just prayed to use me prayer and you're scared and you don't know what it means we'd like to pray for you too so if those people who came up like pete and lauren and everybody else could if you're if you've got time just to come up and stand up here and Neil will pray for you anybody else who's sort of feeling I'm going to step up into a different level of commitment and service could you come up and kneel down the front here too that's it so prayer team are going to just grab their badges and then come and pray for you here rather than going over there if that's okay and anybody else come on guys who's responding who's stepping up into another level of service here at Ivy deeper level of commitment thank you Jesus yeah thank you Lord these people are going to need others to stand around them Ben, Emma could you kneel some people are going to have to stand alongside them here in this place, be part of their team be, say I've got your back, I'm there for you encourage them maybe there's somebody here and as you look at them at the front you think I'm not, I'm not called to lead in an up front way but I'm going to be their armour bearer their, I'm going to be their cheerleader I'm going, to, I'm going to bless them I'm going to help them, I'm going to encourage them come up the front and just stand alongside them and pray for them too use me if you can use anybody you can use me just just believe that it's true 
he can use anybody he wants to use you you're at the front now because you're making yourself available open your hands up I'm available here I am there's an old hymn in there here I am wholly available I make myself wholly available to you and your purposes here and you know I've got a feeling there's some people and you're like well I can't do that because I've got this and I've got that and how will, how will I deal with that and you're you know what God's doing he's just saying you be, it's like the little boy with the packed lunch and he's only got a couple of loaves and fishes you're like I have only got a couple of loaves and fishes you hold on to them you've got yourself a sandwich that's it enjoy let it go you're going to see a miracle so you're holding on to something now and thinking well I can't commit I can't do any more I can't do that then then that's just going to be enough food for you for a little bit it's not going to satisfy you for long I feel the Lord saying it's time to break that open it's time to just give it to him and see what he can do just put yourself in his hands put your gifts in his hands put your future fully in his hands don't hold on and think well how am I going to manage that and how am I going to manage that God will take care of the equipping God will take care of the equipping you make yourself available he's making himself he's going to make you able he's more than able the elders ministry team just going to pray for you as, you, as you as you're there may give you a word of encouragement come Holy Spirit thank you Lord that you love this sacrificial laying down of our lives our futures before you you know as you're sitting there as you're kneeling there it's like you've got your diary and you're, you're presenting it to him you've got your phone you've got your responsibilities you're laying them out before him you're saying Lord would I'm making room and I'm making room for a miracle for you to do it I'm unqualified I don't know how to do it some people here you're meant to be church leaders in the future and you've seen these people up the front and you've thought I'd love to do that I'd love to do that. You know what? Maybe you're meant to do that. And it's not because you're pursuing a title. It's because you just, you just long to be a servant of the gospel and tell more people about him and, and come and talk to us about that. If that's you and you, you feel that burning because we've got plans and tracks to help people to make that happen. We don't just want to stir up that passion and you be frustrated so if that's you it could be the kind of church nobody's ever even started yet and God's going to call you to do it talk to us so we can pray with you about that possibility because the world just needs more people to reach more people in the name of Jesus for the, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ people who are not not praying who are not praying for, if you like just, just reach out a hand and pray for these guys please down the front pray Lord let's be a meeting time a meeting place reveal your your love first of all then your strategies open doors that no man can show give opportunity extend capacity pour out your grace give confidence give courage give boldness give bigger dreams higher call massive faith the Lord just putting what you need in your hands right now in your heart just receive from him yeah thank you Jesus there's open doors all around you open doors all around you and there's, there's people waiting to be asked there's people waiting to join you there's people waiting to encourage you people waiting to help to pay for it serve it alongside you 
but maybe you have to lay something down before you can pick this up so just bring the loaves and the fishes right now bring the loaves and the fishes to Jesus I've only got a bit I'm the least qualified but make it available and see how able he is thank you Lord you're more than able Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord Jesus. Thank you for your manifold wisdom. You want to display it through the church. You want people to connect to heaven through earthly, ordinary people like us who've been transformed by you. What a privilege, Lord, to be part of that. The most important thing you're doing in the universe right now is through the local church, and we get to be a part of that. We're honored privilege that you've called us for such a time as this thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org forward slash media